The message that I have to teach this weekend is going to require some maturity on your part. It's a topic that a lot of people don't like to have talked about in church. It's a topic that some people like to keep off limits. But nevertheless, it's a topic that God gives us a tremendous amount of information about and a tremendous amount of instruction as it pertains to this particular topic. There are two main areas of life that have the capacity to destroy relationship and have the capacity to keep people up at night not sleeping. And those two areas, number one is health. Okay, that's one of the closest things to us. You, you go to doctors, you get a bad report, you start worrying, uh, sickness comes in, disease comes in, long-term chronic issues come in, and they put pressure on a relationship, put pressure uh, on a household, okay? So we know, we know, we studied that a couple of weeks ago because we're now in a series entitled Foundations, and we're taking each foundational building block of our faith as it appears in the scriptures, and we're studying these. Why? Because it's extremely important for us to know a major issue like, say, healing. What does God have to say about sickness and disease? Where does it come from? All this stuff. We covered that a few weeks ago because that's one of the main areas that most people get stressed out over. The second area is the area of finances, okay? Um, that is another area where we've seen, I've seen myself in 37 years of being a Christian, 25 years of being a pastor. If there's anything that will destroy a relationship, if there's anything that will show up all the flaws and cracks in a marriage is, any, or in a relationship of, of that nature, if it's going to be destroyed, one of the number one things that's going to do it is financial pressure, financial insecurity. Now, let me ask you this question. How many of you here have children? How many have grandchildren? Okay. How many of us will go out of our way to make sure that our kids have what they need, that our grandchildren have what they need? We're, we're, so we're intentional, right? We're intentional, okay? If, if, if this was Christmas time, we just got over, I would tell you how intentional my wife is because <laughs> she plans and has for decades plans every year how much money she's going to accumulate and put aside for Christmas, because right? we have four sons and nine grandsons. So Christmas is not, doesn't come cheap in our house. But watch this now. We plan ahead of time, and, and it wasn't always this way. There were times when things were really, really rough years and years ago that we could not do, and you do the best you can. But what my point is this. If we natural human beings are that intentional to make sure that our children have it a little bit easier than we had it, that our grandchildren are taken care of. If we're that intentional, what makes us think that God is an even more intentional to make sure that we have financial security? Because he doesn't, he's a good God. Now, I'm going to tell you ahead of time. If you've been raised in the church, I'm not talking about just here, but if you've been raised in a church, in a denominational especially type church, you may come face to face with some things that you learned that the Bible teaches the exact opposite. So you're going to need some maturity today. Don't, don't be foolish and say, well, this is what I believe because this is what I always believe. Honey, when you see that the Bible tells you something completely different, it's in your interest to say, no, I got to let go of this and now take hold of the truth of the word of God. Yes or no? Yes. Okay, and understand this. 
everything that God teaches us in the Bible as it pertains to finances is for our benefit. And, and listen to another, I'm, I'm going to just throw some stuff at you. Then I'm going to go in. I'm going to pick certain aspects of this message because otherwise we're going to be here until two o'clock. Okay. And I'm hungry already. Okay. So, so hear me out. When, here's one way to interpret the word of God. I think that's going to be very, very safe. When you see that God throughout the Bible gives a overwhelming amount of information and instruction, then that should tell us that that topic is extremely important to God Almighty. Yes or no? Now, we saw when we studied healing, when we studied divine healing, we saw that, I mean, from the beginning of the book all the way through, we see instruction after instruction, principle after principle. We see over and over again God's desire for us to be able to be healed when sickness and disease tries to come upon us, right? Don't have time to go into that. If you weren't here, please go. Go on YouTube. Every part of the foundation series is on there from week to week. We are now in week number eight, okay? And we're talking about this topic about financial security. Now, get it settled in your heart. God is not opposed to you having financial security. In fact, he provides for it if we'll cooperate with him. And not only will he provide financial security for you, but he will make sure that if you desire and you want to be used this way, he will make sure that not only do you have enough for your household, but you will have enough to bless somebody else also. That is the heart and nature of God, okay? So listen, I'm going I'm to knock down some things that maybe you grew up with. Okay, um, they, some of them might be sacred cows. Everybody say moo. Okay, because we're getting ready to knock them down. Okay. Let's be clear about something right up front. Money is not evil. It is what you do with money that determines whether it's evil or whether it's a lifesaver to somebody. Okay. Well, I don't know about that, Pastor, because I grew up all my life. You know, money is the root of all evil. No, honey. You grew up with only part of a scripture. You forgot the rest of it. Can we get that? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. Look at this, look at this, look at this. You see the letters that are in yellow? We're going to read them nice and loud. Ready? One, two, three. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Stop. It doesn't say money is evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, that's a heart issue. That's not a this issue. That's a heart issue. Because you can have somebody that's got $100 in the bank and be free from the love of money, and you can have somebody that's got $50 million in the bank and is completely in bondage in their mind because when they had $40 million, it wasn't enough. Now I want $50 million. When they got $50 million, now the $50 million is not enough. So it's a matter of the heart. And you're going to find out as we go through the scriptures that God is concerned with the heart more than anything else. Because what good is it if you have all this wealth, but you're the stingiest person in the world, you wouldn't lift a finger to help anybody. What good is that going to do? And everybody said? Amen. So it's a heart issue. Now look at this. For the love of money is a root. Now out of a root comes what? Fruit. So the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed. So obviously in the early church, 
there was already a problem with people with being greedy and, and money. There was already some people had the issue like, no, 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 this is mine, this is mine. Sorry that you need help, but I'm not doing anything, right? It says, for some have strayed from the faith in their what? Greediness. Everybody should have went boo. In their what? Greediness. Go ahead. Boo. It's a bad thing. And have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Why? Because money makes a horrible God. It's just a tool. It's something you use to meet the needs of your household and have some extra to meet the needs of somebody who may be going through a rough patch in life. Yes or no? Yes. So stop looking at money as like, and, and listen, if you're one of those people, you're right now you're uncomfortable, you're squirming, I don't like this, ministers shouldn't talk about money, uh, you shouldn't talk about money in church. Honey, you're sitting on money right now. The chair you're sitting on cost money. The lights you're, you're sitting, we're not sitting in the dark right now, and it costs what? Well, how do you live every day? Oh, everybody got weak. Oh, no, we just live on love. We live on love. Look, don't you think God knows what we need in, in the way uh, on the earth right now? Don't you think he knows that we need money to, to survive? Don't you think he knows we need money to get the gospel out? Don't you think he knows we need money to feed the poor, to feed the needy, to be there for them? Don't you think he knows that? Why do you think that he looks at it as like, well, I don't want, like, then you get the super religious people. I don't want any of the world's goods. I just want Jesus. Well, hallelujah. Take the world's goods that you don't want and bring them here because we know what to do with them. We know how to feed people. We know how to clothe people. We know how to house people. We know how to do that stuff. So if, you, if it's too filthy for you, guess what? I know some people don't like that. Now, all throughout the Word of God, if you're going to be a student of the Word, be a student of the Word. And all throughout the Word of God, you see God blessing people with wealth, and you see God providing the needs of people that don't have what they need. Okay? Now, watch this. He wants to use you to do the same thing. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, God is speaking to Abram, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be what? No, it's okay. You can say it. Go ahead, say it. A blessing. A blessing. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and, I, and him who dishonors you. Now, he's talking to Abram. And by the way, he's talking to the nation of Israel. I will bless those who bless you. That's why we bless one for Israel every month. Okay? I'm believing God to double what we're giving right now. Right now, we give them, we send them $500 a month. I believe in God that soon we'll be able to increase that to $1,000 a month. That ministry is one of the most important ministries on the earth right now. Why? Jesus is coming back. The nation of Israel needs to hear. And, and they run the only Bible school in the world that has both Arabs and Israelis in the same classrooms studying the scriptures. And they're going out into the communities. You don't hear about this because the, obviously the nation, the national Israel doesn't want to tell everybody that there's messianic congregations sprouting up like mushrooms all over the nation. People are coming to Jesus Christ and understand that, that they're, he's their Messiah. So of course we want to bless them. Why? I will bless those who bless you. And, I, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. They say, well, that's to Abraham. Yeah, but we're Abraham's spiritual descendants. Yeah. 
And the covenant that God made with Abraham applies to us. We're in Christ. Christ is in covenant with God. Are you listening? What's a covenant, Pastor? A covenant is a spiritual contract with spiritual implications that cannot be broken except for penalty of death. That's why Jesus had to go to the cross. That's a whole nother teaching. Are you getting this? So say, well, what does that have to do with me? God wants you to be used by him to be a blessing to others. But let me ask you a question. If you have nothing, how are you going to bless somebody else? And, and, and so many people in the church, and, and, and it happens in almost every generation. You're going to push in people, no, 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 no. I don't want anything. Okay. Uh, then don't get mad when somebody else has something. Because God's desire is to bless his people so that his people then, in his name, can bless others. I don't see anything wrong with it. I tell this story all the time. It was on a, on, a, on a midweek service one time. I'm standing outside by my office, and a, a first-time visitor came, a guy had never been here before, and he walks up to me, introduced himself, I introduced myself, and he says, is this one of those prosperity churches? And I said, well, what do you want us to be, a poverty church? <laughs> you know, because I, I, I've met those devils before, okay? And I said to him, sir, do you know what's at the other end of this building? He said, what? I said, there's a food pantry with a warehouse. I said, and we feed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of families every month. And back then, it was probably eight or 900 families a month. That pantry over there had gotten up to 14 to 1,500 families a month for years after Hurricane Sandy hit this place. So I said to the man, I said, now, how do you expect us to feed people if we don't have anything? How many times have you wanted to help somebody, but you were restricted by your financial situation? How many times? Come on, go ahead, you can say it. So, if God is love, and he is, and he wants to pour that love through you, is that love not also included in, or does that also not include, if you see a family that's losing their house or losing their car. You got a single mom who's got three, four kids, just like the offering we took today. Don't you think that God wants to pour his love out from you, through you, to meet the needs of that person? Of course, of course. So, so then where do you think it's gonna come from? If Again, if you don't have anything, how are you gonna bless somebody else that's in need? So we need to be believing God for this. Not only that we would have our own need met, because that's, that's godly too, okay? We need to have our own needs met. You need to have financial security so that you don't have the pressure on you of, man, where am I gonna, how am I gonna make my card payment? How am I gonna make my house payment? How am I gonna, how am I gonna pay my credit card? I, when you're that, that kind of financial pressure on you, you're not thinking about anybody else that's in need. Your mind is so preoccupied with your own stuff, okay? that you can't, you, you just don't have it in you to reach out to somebody else. And that's not the way God wants us to live. Listen, in man's economy, man places their hope on net worth, assets, ability to generate income. So money becomes the master of that economy. But in God's economy, God's economy consists of three essential elements. And we need to have these all operational in our lives. Number one, he needs to be Lord over every area of our life. That's including your wallet. He needs to be Lord. 
okay? He's either Lord of everything or he's Lord of nothing. So we need to get this mindset deeply entrenched in us that everything we have belongs to him. And it's, it's up to him to call the shots. Okay, so when God is moving on you to bless someone, basically what he's saying is, hey, listen, I've had X amount of dollars in your account. They're mine. I gave them to you. I gave you the ability to earn them. I gave you the breath in your lungs. I gave you the ideas. I gave you the ability to work your job. It's mine. Now, I want to take from your account and place it in this other person's account. What are you going to say? No. Unfortunately, some people do. It's his. You need to give him lordship over every area of your life. And let me tell you something. If you can't part with that, check your heart. Check your heart, okay? I'm not saying it's easy. So he needs to be lord over every area. Number two, we need to be committed to being a faithful steward. Could you say that word, please? Steward. Now, we don't use that word a lot in our, in our English language in 2022. You'd be more familiar with the word manager, administrator, an executor, okay? Basically, as a steward, a steward is a person who has responsibility and oversight over another individual's finances, over their affairs of life, okay? It's somebody that's trustworthy, and God tells us, through the word, we'll go into a scripture in a little bit. God tells us that we need to be faithful stewards because an unfaithful steward does not have a place in God's kingdom. Jesus told us about the parables. The ones who were unfaithful with the resources that they had didn't end up well, okay? Now, I'm not saying you go to hell, but let me put it to you this way. God is a good manager, administrator, executor, steward. He teaches us all these principles, okay? If we're a bad steward, then the pipeline gets shut down because he's not going to throw good money after bad, okay? Now, this may answer a question here, and I'm trying to put so much together in a short period of time. Do you mind if I turn around when I say this? Because I don't want anybody to think that I'm thinking I'm looking right at them. Because it's inevitable somebody's going to go, oh, yeah, I saw you looking at me when you said that. Okay? Now, listen, if you're having financial difficulties, you might want to start at the first step and take an inventory of your life and see, have I been a good steward? Have I managed God's resources really wisely? Or am I, have I been wasting his resources, not being diligent, not being disciplined? Because then he's not going to make an investment. It's just the way it is. It's just common sense, okay? So, I'll look up for this one. <laughs> so, if you're in a lifestyle where you're spending 50, 75, 100 bucks a week at Starbucks, if you're, in this, if you're living a lifestyle where DoorDash knows your address <laughs> by heart and you're, and, you're, and you're constantly spending money that you don't have, you're not being a good steward. It's just common sense. And what we're going to see in the word of God is that there, and, this, and the Holy Spirit spoke this to me last night, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks and went, oh my God, I never saw it like that before. Here, there's two sets of principles. 
in the Word of God. There are practical, natural principles, and then there's supernatural principles. Okay? Let me skip right to that because we want success in this area, right? Who here wants to live in poverty? Just come up here and I'll pray for you. Who, who wants to live in poverty? Who wants to be constantly frustrated of never having enough money, not being able to pay the bills? Anybody in this room? Okay, I didn't think so. Otherwise, so, so listen to me. Is it not common sense that if God says, here's the principles that I'm giving you, if you operate in these principles, you'll have success. If you choose not to, I still love you. You can still go to heaven because you're not going to heaven based on those things. You're going to heaven based on your relationship with Jesus. But if you choose not to, then whose fault is it? Is it God's fault? Yet who's the first person you blame when you have problems not paying your bills? Let's go to some of these things, okay? Let's go. Let's look at some of these really, really, really practical, practical instructions. Proverbs chapter 10. Talking about practical. Say practical. practical. Say common sense. common sense. Proverbs 10 verse 4. He who has a slack hand becomes poor. But the hand of the what? Diligent, Diligent makes rich. Verse 5. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in the harvest is a son that causes shame. What's he telling us here? Common sense. Common sense. The slack hand. What is the slack hand? Lazy. Because nobody in here falls in that category. But a lazy person is not going to prosper. The hand of the diligent makes rich. Diligence. Diligence. An individual who's willing to work hard. Yeah, this is going to go over real big today. <laughs> Practical. You got a job? It's paying good? Do a good job. Do a good day's work. Be honest. Show up on time. <gasps> but, but Pastor, you don't say there was such a line at Starbucks. Get up early. That's, I wasn't talking to you, was I? You just popped your head up like, did you show up late this week? You understand what I, this is common sense. You have an opportunity, work hard. Be diligent. Give your employee a good day's pay, a good day's, a good day's work. Do a good job. And the reward will come. Hallelujah. <laughs> Next one I really like. Proverbs chapter 12. Now, listen to me. The book of Proverbs is loaded, loaded, loaded with practical principles. If you just read one every day, just take Proverbs. There's 31 Proverbs. If you'll take one every day and read it, you'll be surprised how it matches up to the day that you're in. Okay? Proverbs 12. This is a real good one. Those who work their land will have abundant food. But those who chase fantasies have no sense. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But there's many of us in this room that probably had this kind of a conversation with a friend, a family member. Hey, I found this thing where if, you, if you'll invest X amount of dollars 
and you'll get three other people to invest under you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And what does the scripture says? Go work your land. Go do an honest day's work. Be diligent about it. If you work what God has given you, you'll have abundant food. Why do you need abundant food? Because you may have a next door neighbor that needs some overflow. Abundant food. You getting this? But he who chases what? Fantasies have no common sense. There's no sense. And it's always the same line. Listen, I almost got caught up in one of these things. I, this is way before. I was still in the restaurant business then. And the restaurant business was not doing good in the late 80s. And I had this opportunity to get involved with this international company. And Joe, you know, I said, we're going to do, we're going to, we're going to help you. You're going to have your, your, what do they call that? The under, what do they call that? The what? The down, was it downline? Downline. You're down, we've already got people that are going to come underneath you and all this. And I was doing good. I was doing, even before I got my license, I was, I had like 40, 50 people under me. And I'm in my kitchen one day in the restaurant. I'm walking from, from the cooking area to my office, and I hear God like he's standing right behind me, and he said this to me, put this down now. Nobody had to tell me what he was talking about. I knew exactly what he was talking about. I got on the phone with the person, happened to be her brother, my brother-in-law, and I said, hey, I'm out of this thing. What, what, what are you talking about? We're, we already rented an office for you in Bricktown. Oh, no, no, no. God told me to put it down. But you don't understand, you're going to make this money, that money. And then, and then they always send you a copy of what the, the head guy's making in the company because he's the only one that's making the money in the company, okay? I said, I'm sorry, I got to get out. God told me to get out. God told me to put this thing down and walk away from it. Why? Because I was starting to chase fantasies. Common sense, common sense. You ready? Okay, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, labor. Say that word, please. Labor. See, it wasn't that bad, was it? Let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. Look at this one. Look at this promise. So that he may have something to share with who? He tells us we don't even work just for our own needs. We're doing it so that our families are taken care of first, first. And then we have the resources to help others. That's what we're here for. Oh, well, Pastor, I believe we're supposed to love everybody. Okay, what, with just words? With just words? Words are cheap, honey. So let me ask you a question. Now, I, I've only touched the tip of the iceberg. The word of God is full of instruction, full of principles that if we'll walk in that, we won't have lack and our families won't want, okay? But it takes our, our cooperation and it takes faith to walk these things out. But let me ask you this question. If God has given us all these principles, all this instruction, all this direction, who then is the determining factor whether we succeed or not? Is it God or is it us? See, Many of us maybe don't understand the character and nature of God as it's revealed in the Word of God. Some of us think that when we have a need, and I got to move through this really quick, that we go to God, and this is a one-time thing. God, I have this need. Uh, uh, I need a new car. I need a better car. I need money for repairs in my car. And we think God goes, okay, 
fill out this form and we'll entertain this. Right? That's what we think. Many of us think that way. Because if we did, if we really understood the nature of God, we wouldn't even pray that way. Because here's what God does. You come into a relationship with him through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you have access to all the promises of God. All of them. It's up to us to go, Lord, I see in your word that you said that you delight in the prosperity of your servants. I qualify, Father. I'm your child. I'm your servant. I qualify. So, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I take hold of that promise. You know that I need a car. You know that I need money for the car, whatever it is. And it's, it's, not, it's not him answering you every single request. It's him already releasing the ability to receive these things and you taking hold of them by faith. Otherwise, God would be perceived as, and in effect would be, an unfair God. Because it would appear that he would answer Pastor Beth's uh, request, but he wouldn't answer uh, whoever, Anthony. He puts it out there. It's up to us to take hold of the promises. Peter tells us we've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. He released these principles into the universe. And you notice that these principles work for the godly and work for the ungodly just the same? Any per- you don't have to know God to succeed with these things. They're common sense. Are you listening? Are, are, you, are you seeing this? He loves you. He doesn't want you staying up at night. He doesn't want me stressing out over things. He doesn't want me to be concerned about where's the next loaf of bread going to come from. And trust me, We've been through that phase of life, okay? Uh, many of you are newcomers. You don't know our history. You don't know that back in, in 1990, we got wiped out of everything. We were in bankruptcy way before it was fashionable. <laughs> Lost everything. And when I say everything, we had some things to lose. Some people are going to bankruptcy for $10,000. You're just going to spend more money on the attorney than you actually owed on your bills, okay? But we, we I'm talking about late 80s, early 90s, we had to sign off on three, three quarters of a million dollars, assets, property, vehicles, business equipment, everything. That was a lot of money back then. Today, you, pay like, you buy an average house for that. But back then, that was a lot of money. We had to learn how to walk through these principles. We couldn't, we couldn't afford to bellyache at night. Oh, God, why has this happened to us? Oh, God, why has this happened? I knew why it was happening to us. We made bad, bad business decisions. You know, and, and sometimes you got to walk through that. But there's life after bankruptcy. We take hold of the promises of God. He takes us, he redeems us out of that situation and restores you. And so, most times, if you hold on to him and you hold on to the word, you'll come out better than what it was when you went in. All right? So those of you, if you're experiencing financial difficulties right now, right now don't, don't, get, don't get upset, okay? Uh, things will change if you'll stick with God, if you'll trust him. Amen? Amen. Psalm 37, 25. This was written by David. Once I was young and now I am old. Yet I've never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. God wants to supply the needs of your household. God wants to take care of your kids. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. I'm sure you're all familiar with this one. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, there's natural principles, and then there are supernatural principles. 
when we work both of them, we see tremendous, tremendous results, okay? Because the fact of the matter is, yeah, you can kill yourself day and night and make a tremendous amount of money, but that's not God's will for your life either. God's not a slave driver. He doesn't want us to be in situations where we have no quality of life whatsoever. But if we'll operate in the natural principles and in the same time operate in the supernatural principles, we'll see tremendous success. We'll, be, we'll have the resources we need to take care of our homes and to also be a blessing to others. And it is possible to do that. Amen. Okay. Um, right now, my goal today in this series is for us to get to the place where our soul now is prospering. In the third letter that the Apostle John wrote to the church in the second verse, he reveals the nature of our Father in heaven. Okay? Um, did, I, did I talk about that one yet? All right, hold on to that. I want to talk, talk to this other thing first. Remind me to go to Philippians 4.19. All right? Paula, you'll do that, right? Okay. In 3 John verse 2, the Apostle John literally is writing down the heart of the Father as it's revealed to him through the Holy Spirit. Now, look what, look what the Father in heaven is saying about us. I pray above all things that you would what? Prosper and be in health, right? Just as your what? Soul. As your soul does what? So we see a condition here, right? Now, God's saying, I want, you to, I want you to have financial security, and I want you to have good health. Why? Because when you have those two things in operation, you're free now to pursue the things that God puts on your heart as it pertains to reaching other people. That's the whole thing. You're not born into this earth to have your nose on the grindstone forever and never look up and just work like a slave in, in a salt mine. God wants you to be free from these pressures. I hope you'll, you'll get more of this as we go along. So, so my goal in this series as it pertains to this part, part eight, is that our souls would prosper by receiving the word of God and allowing the word of God to change the way we think so that we, our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions will line up with what God says instead of what life experience may have taught you. Now, there's some people in this room, I'm not going to ask you to show your hands. You probably grew up saying stuff like this. Well, my family was poor. I'll always be poor. Nobody in my family's ever had any money. Nobody in my family's ever had success. In fact, if it wasn't for bad luck, we wouldn't have no luck at all. Don't, don't shift, don't burp, don't, because we're not. Stop talking like that. Stop talking like that. Because that knowledge is trying to cloud out what the word of God says. And God never wanted any of your family to be destitute and poverty stricken. That is not God's will for your life. If it was, we would see poverty in the Garden of Eden. We don't see poverty in the Garden of Eden. We see that man had everything, mankind had everything it needed to thrive in the Garden. There's no sickness, there's no disease, there's no poverty, there's no lack. Okay, you got this? That's the prototype. Whatever you see in the garden is what your life and my life is supposed to be like. And I'm not saying we're supposed to walk around naked, but 
And somebody say, please go put some fig leaves on, right? But you understand what I'm saying? Are you getting this? Let me take a sip of water here. I'm going to try to wrap this up quick. <laughs> Philippians 4.19. Paulie, you forgot to remind me. Here's a promise that you can stand on. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now watch this now. I'm going to shake somebody's boat here. I'm going to knock over some sacred cow. Everybody say moo. moo. Watch this now. That scripture is probably one of the most taken out of context scriptures that exists in Christianity. People get it on their checks. You know, you remember when people had checks? Those paper things that you filled out? You know, people would put it on their checks. People would put it on their T-shirts. But there's only one issue that needs to be dealt with. Paul's talking to a group of people who were supporting his ministry. Go read the chapter. Go read the chapter. He said, because you guys and the church at Philippi, because you guys supported the work of the gospel, the kingdom, because of that, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. He's not talking to people who kept both hands in their pocket. You know what I mean by both hands in your pocket? You understand that? Yeah. We all know people that live on a one-way street, right? Yeah. Everything's got to come their way. Yeah. We all know people that got one arm longer than the other. <laughs> the arm that takes is long. The arm that gives is stunted. Okay? You can't be that way. These promises are conditional. Now, well, I thought God's love was unconditional. Oh, no, honey, don't mix the things up. Yeah, God's love is unconditional. He'll love you all the way to the gates of hell if you decide to go to hell. Okay, but the promises are conditional. Oh, I don't know if I agree with that. Well, how did you get born again? He said, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He said in Romans chapter 10, if you will confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, you shall be saved, right? So what's the condition? I've got to confess with my mouth what I believe in my heart. There's a lot of people that end up in hell. They knew about Jesus, but they never came to the place of confessing him as Lord and Savior. The promises of God require our cooperation. He said, if you have a slack hand, you're going to be hungry. You're going to be poor. If you're diligent, you'll become rich. Or at least you'll have the things that you need. Okay, what am I missing here? Isn't that common sense? Okay, so now those are natural things. Now, very quickly, can I give you a couple of supernatural principles that God's given to his people in order for you and I to prosper, okay? I promise I'm going to try to do this as fast as I can. Number one is sowing and reaping. Well, Pastor, what's so supernatural about that? Well, it's, it's very practical when you're a farmer, okay? But Paul, in writing to the church of Corinth, is using agricultural terms to talk about finances. And it's very balanced, but it's supernatural, because when you cooperate with God and, and work these principles out, the results are supernatural. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Well, that's common sense, right? How many of you like tomatoes? How many like tomatoes? I mean, good Jersey tomatoes, not the junk that they get in the supermarket. How many like good Jersey tomatoes? The juicy, nice, fresh mozzarella, fresh tomato, a little bit of olive oil, 
little basil, a little fresh cracked pepper. Love tomatoes, okay? Now, let me ask you a question. If you love tomatoes, are you going to go in your garden and put three seeds in the ground? What are you going to want? If you want a lot of tomatoes, what do you got to plant? A lot of seeds, okay? Common sense, right? So, now watch this, though. Now, verse 10. Let's go down to verse 10 for the sake of time. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower, you know what a sower, and he's not talking about this kind of sower. He's talking about the sower that scatters seed, right? Yes or no? Okay. So he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous, generous, generous once in a while. What does it say? On every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, God's balance. Watch this now. All of your assets, I'm going to try to please just just stick with me so I can get through this in a couple of minutes. Let's take all of your assets, everything that you own, cash on hand, property, investments, whatever it is, and let's just make that 100% of who you are, right? What the scripture is saying in that 100%, there is a percentage that is seed for you to sow for the future, and the rest of it is food to eat. You getting this? I mean, how much more common sense and how much more balanced can God be? He's not saying, give me the whole 100%. He's saying, eat your bread and plant your seeds. Eat your bread and plant your seeds. And and listen, that's going to be seasonal. There's going to be some seasons in your life where, because of whatever's going on, you may need 75% of that to be going towards your household expenses. Then maybe you get to a point, and then the other 25% is you're going to give to, for the furtherance of the gospel. You're going to, to, you're going to pay your tithes, whatever it is. You're going to uh, invest in somebody else's life. You're going to be a blessing to somebody. But then it might turn around. Maybe you paid off a credit card. Maybe your car payment now is done. You finished paying off your car. Now that percentage switches. You're going to have more available now to give and to be generous with and a little bit less that you're going to need to pay bills at home. You got to be sensitive. That's why he said, let each one decide as they want to give whatever's in their heart and let them be cheerful about it. Cheerful, hilarious. The original language, hilarious. (laughs) Okay. You see what I'm saying? So, So you need to be sensitive to discern, okay, what do I have to give? Now, don't get mad at me because what I'm about to say, that means whatever 100% represents in your life, whether it's $10 or whether it's $10 million, in that 100%, part of that is for giving and part of that is for eating. For, in other words, for consumption, going towards your bills. Don't say, I have nothing to give because you're making that scripture out to be a liar. Because he's saying with everything that you have, some of it's bread, some of it's seed. You getting this? I know what I'm talking about because we've been in those seasons where it was nothing to drop two, three, four thousand dollars in an offering bucket. But then I noticed when things change and seasons change and we went into bankruptcy and got wiped out of everything, I noticed that the hundred that we put in got more blessing 
than the two, three, four thousand we gave because the two, three, four thousand came out of surplus. The hundred came out of necessity. You catching this? So it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of obedience. You listening to me? I mean, you work these principles, you'll be amazed how your life will change. And it's God that wants it to be that way. Amen? So, seed time and harvest, number two. Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. What's he saying? I'm going to paraphrase this whole thing. It takes time. You sow, you plant a seed in one season, and you reap the fruit in another season. Okay? But here's what we want. Seed time and harvest. <laughs> but what the scriptures teach us is seed time harvest. If you leave today remembering anything, remember this. Let's do this. Ready? One, two, three. Seed. Come on. Time. Harvest. We want. Seed time harvest. Seed time harvest. God, I planted a seed yesterday. Where's my fruit? And what we do is we become impatient because we're not trusting God. And you tear up whatever you planted in the spirit. And you start looking at it. It's not bearing fruit. It's not bearing. Well, if you keep pulling it up, it ain't going to bear any fruit. If you do that with your tomato plants, how many tomatoes are you going to eat? You'll be going to stop and shop and buy the ones that taste like wax. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Seed. Yeah, you, yeah, you're too late. Let's do it again. Seed. Let it grow. Number three. This is it. I'm going to have to paraphrase the whole thing, although it's probably one of the most important things. Supernatural principles. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. The principle here is honoring God with our first and our best. Our first and our best. Would you say that with me? First and best. Not last and once in a while. First and best. What are we talking about here? Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Yes or no? God speaking through the prophet Malachi to the nation of Israel. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. That's one part of the blessing. Second part of the blessing. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Adonai Almighty. Amen. Promise of God. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. What are you talking about, Pastor? We're talking about percentage giving, which is what God teaches us in the Word of God. Oh, Pastor, that's Old Testament. No, honey, it's before Old Testament. It predates Old Testament. God was requiring this from Adam. Was it? Let's back up. Tithe. What's the word tithe mean? Tithe is an old English word. It means one-tenth, or in other words, 
Now people really start getting nervous. Okay? God is saying, everything on this earth belongs to me. I give you what you need, but it's mine. What I want you to do is to honor me first by taking the very first 10% of your increase, whatever it is, if it's wages, if it's an investment, if it's profit sharing, it's whatever it is, gifts. Take the first 10% and don't touch it. Put it aside. That's God's. He said, when you do that, I'll open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing that you won't, be, you won't have room enough to, to receive it. And even as important, he said, I will supernaturally protect your job, your investments, whatever you, whatever pertains to you that's bringing in income. In those days, it was an agricultural society. So he said, I'll stop the pests. In old English, he says, I'll rebuke the devourer. What does the devourer do? Devours. He said, I'll rebuke the devourer on your behalf so that the enemy won't come and devour your finances, your health, your this, your other thing. Basically, what he's saying is this. I want you to honor me by giving me your first and your best. Well, pastor, uh, you know, we do all our bills and then whatever's left, you know, if we have enough, then we pay our tithe. No, that's not tithing. That's not tithing. Because it's not about the money and it's not about the amount. It's about the honor. And he wants to be honored by being put first and give him the best, not the scraps that are left over. Okay, don't treat God like when you go to, to a restaurant and the server comes. God wants his part first. The server, you can figure, after you put the bill, you see how much money I have left, then you start asking everybody at the table, what do you think I should give? Basically, what you're saying is, how, how little can I give this person and get out of here? Don't treat God like that, because that's not respectful. That's not honorable. And honestly, when you go out to eat, you should tip the person extravagantly. Extra Why? Because they're killing themselves. They're working under horrible conditions. They're taking their life in their hands. They're, they're, they're waiting on 12 tables when they used to wait on six. And then we sit there and complain because, you know, I didn't get another Coke here. Hey, hey, hey. And if you're not going to tip people good, and it's, don't tell them where you go to church. Because <laughs> I'll deny it. I don't know them. That's a way of honoring that person, right? Well, we want to honor God. That's all God is after is honor. Why? Because what was deprived from him in the beginning? Honor. Adam and Eve chose to listen to the words of the devil rather than listen to the words of God. They dishonored God. All God's been after from, from, from us since then is honor. That's why when you choose to place your faith in God, it honors him. It's an honor to do that. You listening? Okay. So where do we go from here? I've given you a ton of information. There's way more in the recorded message that's on YouTube. I'm asking you, please, for your sake. Look, we've worked this out. It works. We wouldn't be here today if, if it didn't work. It works. I want to see it work for you. I want to see this congregation, the most prosperous congregation in the state of New Jersey. Why? There's so many people that we can help. There's so many needy that we can help. 
There's so many, there's so many more things we want to do to impact the community. I want to see everybody blessed in this congregation. I don't want not one of us losing sleep at night because you can't pay your car payment, you can't pay your mortgage, you don't know how you're going to pay the electric bill. That is not God's desire for us to live that way. But I can't make it happen for you just like you couldn't make it happen for me. Now, I challenge you, go and read these scriptures. Uh, In fact, if you email me, I'll send you my notes. And you can go through them yourself and go through the scriptures, go through the Bible, see that they say what they say. I want you to say this. Keys, keys, keys. Okay? Because in 1990, my wife and I got wiped out of everything. And let me tell you something. When you got four kids to raise, and you, and you got to the point where you don't know where, where the next paycheck is coming or if there's going to be another paycheck, where you're going to live because you're getting sheriff sale notices on your house, trust me, we know that this works. We know that this works. Okay? I want to see it work for you. Don't wait until you get to that position where you have to believe God for it. Jump in, go research this for yourself, and then start operating that week. Be generous with people. I'm going to make you a challenge. It has nothing to do with the church. Ask God to show you somebody in your life, coworker, neighbor, extended family member, that can use a little bit of help, and then see what you can afford in your budget, $20, $50, $100, and say to that person, for the next six months, I'm going to give you X amount of dollars every month. I love you. I believe in you. I want to help you. See how it starts happening. The blessing starts returning. My wife and I have been doing this for years now. We'll search out an individual. We'll, we'll ask the Holy Spirit to show us, and he's never failed. We're always in agreement on it. And then we'll say to that person, for the next 12 months, we're going to give you X amount of dollars because we believe it. We just got done fulfilling that commitment with a young man uh, from this church, okay? And, and now we're starting to, we're waiting on God to show us the next one. Now, now don't go in the hallway and by my office and start going. Because <laughs> it's got to be the Holy Ghost. And I can't tell you how we've seen people's personalities completely change when you do something like that. And, it's, and we don't hold strings over them. You understand what I'm saying? We tell them, this is from God. You've received this as if it's from God. But what it says to that individual is, you believe in me. You see my future. You know what now, and then watch what God does in your life. Amen? Be generous. Be extravagant as much as you possibly can be. And when you go out to dinner after this, you go out to lunch, tip them. Tip them good. Tip them good. We love doing that. We love blessing the servers when, when, you know. One lady down in South Jersey, we were down in South Jersey, and the Lord put on our heart to bless this waitress, the server. And uh, it wasn't a big meal at all, but I don't remember how much it was, was a couple of hundred dollars or something what it was. And she ran out in the parking lot after us and said, who told you? <laughs> what are you talking about? No, actually, I went back in and I said, oh, my God, we didn't give her enough. And went back in and gave her another couple hundred or whatever it was. And, uh, uh, and she said, who told you? And the manager was there. And uh, she had just told the manager that day that if she didn't make her mortgage payment, the house was going into foreclosure. And she needed exactly the amount of money to add to what she had, what the Lord had put on her heart. Imagine Matt, the ride home that day was like, wow. Say, well, that's you, Pastor. Now, honey, we didn't get there overnight. We started with the 10 and we started with the 20. And 
You start where you're at and start where you're at right now. If you're not in the habit of giving into the kingdom, start with what you are. I can't do that. Start with what you have. Everything with God starts as a seed. I got to go. You guys have kept me too long. It works. Listen, it works. It works. It works. It works. God bless you if you need prayer for anything. Listen, those of you that are here for the first time today, take your red connect card, bring it to the red wall out there. We got a gift waiting for you. God bless you.